Everyone, welcome to Jaffa Takes, the podcast where we rewatch Stargate and we enter the four-parter that ends season one and starts season two here. Uh, big, uh, important lore episode. Uh, it's there, but for the grace of God, season one, episode nineteen. Uh, joining me today, we have Kavika. Hey, and M. Hello. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is it. Uh, we're we're at we're we're past all the planets of the week, all the the, the dead end episodes, uh, uh, That's all right. the bad ones. No more planets. Quest- there, you will see no. no more planets every week. That's it. That I, was it. You know what? <laughs> that there's P three R two three three in this episode. Is well, I, I guess that's a spoiler for the next couple of weeks. But it's true that we're not going to see much of other planets except if you count you know alternate reality earth which we do see a lot of in this episode um i mean i don't uh, know if we'd yeah yes we're definitely all into heavy plot stuff but i definitely uh-huh. wouldn't count this as like a four-parter i'd say this is I like mean, a setup to the three-parter but you yeah. could have slotted this earlier in the season and not changed much uh, yeah, I could be wrong, but I think there's not even a, like an official to be continued at the end of this one. It's just it does end on a cliffhanger, and it does lead directly into the next episode. Uh, but I think the next uh, two episodes do have a whole to be continued at the end, and then a previously on Stargate at the beginning of the next one. But yeah, you're you're right. This is, this is kind of the prologue to these four episodes. It's the only one that takes place in an alternate universe to start um none of the other ones do that but it is uh setting up the the main conflict that is going to end season one and start season two yeah i mean um, like it it dovetails like it, yeah it's supposed to it's yeah it, it it does the thing that that stargate does a lot more of later in the series where it like it has this big arc that it tells over multiple hours and it's it's really cool when you follow it week to week and s- stuff it it it, it, it com- comes closer to being like serialized in a way you know a show like a uh, babylon 5 or, or ds9 would be or something like that yeah. um so, a uh, couple notes. First of all, uh, I just looked up what... So, I assumed... I think I've been assuming this whole time since 98 that the title of this episode was from a Shakespeare quote. Uh, it's not, actually. <laughs> I just looked it up on uh, on the Stargate Wiki. Uh, it's, a, it's a quote uh, attributed to a guy named John Bradford, who was a... a a, a Christian Reformed priest uh, in England who was uh, like arrested and executed by Catholics for heresy, I believe. Uh, it was one of the things he said in prison while waiting for his execution uh, in reference to... So, so, the full context of the quote, like, he's talking about how uh, because God took some actions in the past, they, they set him on the path that led to where he was in his life, which is about to be executed. And if if God, like, or fate, you can interpret or, you know, 
quantum physics in a sci-fi setting or something had decided on a different path, he would have like ended up in a different world where stuff would be different. So you see, you see the relationship between this quote and this episode. Uh, it's it's been uh, like associated with the notion of uh, of fate taking a different path. <laughs> Basically, that's where it comes from. Uh, <laughs> so I just I, I just learned all of this like just <laughs> now, basically, because um, just because it sounded Shakespearean, I, I was like, ah, I'm a, must be Shakespeare. It's not. It's some other guy. Um, so still uh, English yeah. though. You get you got you got that part. Yeah, he he was. It's it's an English. Oh, I mean, it sounds it sounds English as hell. You know, it's all monosyllabic words, and it says but for etc etc. It's all very. You know, of that time, that it's the 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 structure of the quote is like that. Um, we well, so uh, we start this episode with you know SG one stepping through the Stargate on an alien planet as they do so often on a PVR two three three, which is they're gonna name this planet like repeatedly over the next couple episodes. So uh, for for once, it's it's one of the letters and numbers planets that uh, that 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 does turn out to to be important to the overall plot. Um, oh, yeah, another thing I looked up, like, earlier today, because, like, uh, the first line in this episode is O'Neill saying, good morning, campers. And I felt like, like, he's, he says that, like, other times over the course of the show. It's, like, not not quite a catchphrase, but it's, like, a running joke he has. And I, I was like, that's got to be a reference to something. And apparently it's a song from the 60s, so that's, that's what he's referencing. Uh, <laughs> um... Also, like, yeah, it's the kind of stuff you, you would say at camp when, whenever, like, the, the counselor would go over and wake up the campers. So More or less anything you can think, any, any idiosyncrasy about Jack O'Neill could basically be explained by Richard Dean Anderson being significantly older than anyone else in the oh, show. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Referencing a 60s song, which is before any of the other actors on SG1 were born, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, or at, I guess they were born in the 60s because, uh, you know. Gen Xers and stuff. Um, so yeah, they're on this planet. So I also looked up where they shot this because it's a location. It's it's a place called PowerTech Labs, uh, and for once, it's not an abandoned place. It's an actually like active lab <laughs> that is owned by uh, BC. Well, well, okay, it's run by PowerTech, a subsidiary of BC Hydro. So <laughs> like the the British Columbia uh, Electric uh, provider. Which so that's that's why. So like. That's not props. That's just actual fucking Tesla coils. Yeah, I think around. it's a mix. I think it's a mix. Like all the machinery that's around them, it's probably just stuff that's there, uh, and that's why this place gets used as, sh- as a shooting location. Because it was like I looked it up, and it's also once again been used in like four different Flash episodes. Uh, <laughs> it was also used in a different Stargate episode from this one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, so yeah, the the interesting part is that they just I guess went there at night when no one was working there. But that's a place where they test actual electricity electrical equipment uh you know to to use in the power grid of british columbia um so yeah uh this is spooky high-tech uh lab with electric stuff that's at night and the lights are off and they're they 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 find this big old scepter with like a lion head thing on top of it in it that like it it's slightly reminiscent of that stake they put uh like at the the Jaffa outcast camp uh, back on Chulak, uh, well, but it's like uh, a different s- symbol. We're also establishing something very important that we've never mm-hmm. seen before, and I don't think we're ever going to see again significantly. Is Daniel is just recording everything? 
Oh yeah, he is. Which is like it, it's it's been like it's it's this one and Torment of Tantalus, the two episodes where him putting out pulling out his handicam and like just taking footage of everything turns out to be significant for later because he's got. I, it's, it's a good thing he did that. Spe- I think there's, specific- there is one. There, there's at least one other episode later I remember, but mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. another one that deals with alternate timelines, but. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, it's like uh, it's a good thing that one of the things he decides to film is uh, the 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 Stargate on this planet because that's specifically what he's gonna be looking at uh, later in this episode. Um, so yeah, uh, Teal'c explains what the big the big stake uh, in this place means. Uh, it's basically it means turn back because uh, like uh, it means this is. Uh, oh, it, it specifically means it's a radioactive planet. Um, <laughs> The pres- like okay yeah I think Teal'c means that it's because uh, the gold have pretty much glassed this planet they've they've left the they've left the surface inhab- uninhabitable uh, presumably because it seems like a sort of high tech place well this a is- very high tech place if if they're the ones that invented that mirror um, so this is not this I, is not I a place of honor one- <laughs> yeah I Was have it? to wa- I have to wonder about this a little bit. It's like, uh-huh. if the Gavold weapons are making everything on the surface radioactive, uh-huh. um, as we're going to see later in this episode, most of their other weapons are basically just bigger staff weapons. Oh yeah, you're right. They're, they're, they're what just... does that mean about the staff weapons? <laughs> That's a good point. Like, I mean, they're they're gonna talk in the episode how like the mothership attacks, like each one of them hits like a nuke on Earth, which I don't. That doesn't seem like consistent with actual Gould attacks we're going to see later. It seems really heightened for, like, drama. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, is is this Teal have a portable new launcher, basically, in laser form? But it's, like, it's so small that it just, like, emits, uh, like, I guess, only threatening levels of radiation extremely localized to wherever you're blasting this thing and not anywhere around it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's that's a good question that is not going to be answered because this is an episode about uh, radiation poisoning. Uh, more on that in season five. But um, yeah, no, it, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. This place is radioactive because the goal, like... Uh, nuked it from above and presumably the, the gold don't always do that to planets like on planets that don't resist hard enough they just go down there and like take out the governments and like take the humans slaves and stuff like that so uh this the, the, this is the fate they reserve for planets that uh that that resistant te- technologically on some level which now makes me wonder if that's what happened on altair the planet from last episode where everyone was underground and had become robots because the surface was uninhabitable like and and they were also a high-tech place so maybe that's just the same thing happened there that the gold went there and went nope don't want to deal with these robot people blast 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 um but anyway we'll never know this uh so as uh, Teal'c is, is telling O'Neill that this staff means everyone should vacate the premises as fast as possible, uh, Daniel is back in some uh, uh, ba- lab back room where a bunch of artifacts are uh, scattered on, on a counter. Uh, These are incredibly uh, uneven artifacts. Yeah, uh-huh. that's, uh, <laughs> this is private collection kind of yeah. shit. Yeah, and it's it seems like this planet had a Daniel on their own that just found some interesting cultural looking things, uh, knickknacks of of uh, that that all just look vaguely ancient and ethnic uh, on that table. And there he 
uh, Daniel notices that everything is tagged there, which like tells him that someone collected these and uh, like cataloged them and everything. So this is and then he immediately some... just starts shoving them in his bag. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, they just found a stake that says everyone on this planet is dead. So who's who's gonna tell him no? But yeah, that's that that's your uh, archaeologist instincts right there. Take take all the 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 the, the thing into your white guy backpack uh, that's on clips on his tactical vest which is like a small detail that I find uh, kind of funny but also what else could he possibly do is like his backpack is just clipped to his vest so he yeah. undoes the clips <laughs> and it just boom thuds to the floor and then he has to pick it up uh, which I guess that's that's how these things are supposed to work I just hope you, you don't put anything fragile in there like say priceless artifacts um so yeah, he starts packing everything he can, including uh, a little like sci-fi-looking device of some kind that has like it's it's a little, like pad-shaped. It has colors on it, and uh, he's, he f- picks it up and fidgets with it a little bit. And now, when he does that, a little that, bit ago you said the possibility that this was made by the people of this world. I uh-huh. definitely don't think it is specifically no. because this thing. We're not going to see these aesthetics for a while, but yeah. this looks like the kind of thing you were. Like, if you, you've seen, people have probably seen, like, stills or whatever of Atlantis, and mm-hmm. this looks oh, like yeah. that, this looks like their tech. Yeah, uh, it does a little bit. I am I, talking, I, uh, talk, trying to talk around spoilers so hard here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that you're right, that, you know, if, if anything on Stargate is, like, isn't explicitly stated, you can probably assume that it's those guys that did it, probably, uh, the old, good, good old, reliable, ancient forerunner advanced races that did everything, um, that is like a staple of every good sci-fi franchise, to be clear. Um, so yeah, uh, as Daniel is fidgeting with this thing, uh, you can clearly see it turn on this uh, stone slate that's like off to the side of this counter, uh, and it turns up and it shows a reflection of the room he's in, but Daniel isn't in the reflection, so... And, and uh, also, it's it's literally a miniature version of... Uh, a, a, a fucking star uh, Star Trek. Oh yeah, the, the you know the, it's, it's it does look like the Guardian of Forever. The, yeah. the Guardian of Forever. Yeah, forever. You're right. It does look like that. Except this one uh, is a is a, a reality changer and not a time travel device. Uh, aside from that, you're right. Uh, also, obvious jokes about this thing turning Daniel into a vampire. Uh, you're welcome, everyone. If you, if you thought of that joke, give yourself a comedy point. You've earned it. Uh, so yeah, Daniel, of course, being the the the, the keen scientific mind that he is, uh, decides to touch the reflective surface that isn't showing him, and it like kind of zaps his body a little bit. Like you see him flash a little bit, and then like it's it. At first, it seems like everything is normal, um, but uh, yeah. So he runs back to the room where the Stargate is, uh, yelling for everyone. Hey, hey, hey! You have to. F- do you have to see this cool mirror that does nothing and doesn't show me that I found? Uh, <laughs> but everyone is gone now, so he's like, oh, no. Uh, he says something like, I hate it when this happens, which, like, Daniel, you, do you get stranded alone on planets by your team a lot? Like, maybe do they, you, regular, you, at, at least do they once? regularly do this? Uh-huh. <laughs> at least once? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it has happened. Uh, like, But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you hate it in general, like platonically, you hate to be stranded behind, but also like with the kind of temperament that Daniel is, it's not that surprising that he's the guy who gets uh, distracted by some cool stuff he found while everyone else is leaving, like uh, in the aforementioned Torment of Tantalus, where he just wanted to keep using his 
fun alien library he found while the thing the place was falling apart uh so yeah daniel's like oh, i hate this and like he just <laughs> dials the he dials earth and steps through the stargate and like we see as soon as he stepped through the the iris gets closed behind him and there's like 15 guys pointing guns at him and he's like oh wait what um uh yeah they the like uh, they're yelling at him to identify himself and he says he, he puts his hand up and says daniel jackson is g1 uh no one is uh no one seems to believe him and then hammond walks out from behind these guy from from into the door to the gate room but he's wearing like a camo outfit with a cap like he like he's on active deployment in a war zone uh but also like there's no insignias anywhere and like it, it only says earth I don't even know if it says Hammond on his uniform. It just says it Air does. Force. It oh, it does. Hammond. Yeah, sorry. It's yeah. been hidden by, by the subtitles on what I'm looking at. Uh, the, 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 the reason I say this is that uh, Daniel says, General Hammond. And Hammond says, General, do you see any stars anywhere on my uniform? And like, I, I must point out that there's also no Colonel Bars or anything on his uniform. There, there doesn't yeah, seem to be. It's... <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, there's, there's no rank. There's no rank insignia so on, on that of... uniform. It just seems like something he took out of a closet because, like, they're under attack and he has to wear camo now. Um, which, like, is the case, to be clear. But also, I think even, like, the, the deployment camo outfits do have some kind of insignia for everyone because how else are I, you supposed I to mean, know who you're supposed to obey orders from? How, how, much help, how much help is the camo inside the... Face. Also that you might think they would be wearing some kind of you know urban gray uh, <laughs> outfits. That's a that's a very good point. Maybe they're expecting to have to go up to the surface and fight in the Vancouver woods. Uh, sorry, the Colorado or, woods uh, above where they are right now. I mean now. that's that's presumably where the the alpha, the alpha site's presumably on a Vancouver planet. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, I mean that's what's out there. It's, it's, Yes, it's the beta site, I think, in this one, but it, yeah, yeah, and we, we're going to see the alpha site later on, and it absolutely is, is on a Vancouver planet, so you're right about that. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Hammond says he's Colonel Hammond and whatever, and he says, who the hell are you, or whatever, and that's the end of the cold open. So, yeah, <laughs> we get back to the episode, and then, like, there's four guards. Like, they've put handcuffs on him. They're just dragging him bodily into the infirmary. They put him down on the MRI table. A doctor comes in and, like, injects him with something and while he's yelling that, like, he's Daniel Jackson and he doesn't understand what's going on and he needs to see O'Neill and Sam Carter and whatever. Um he, he says, again, like, I need to see Colonel O'Neill. And, like, one of the soldiers there says, you mean General O'Neill? So that's another inconsistency They're putting right him into that MRI machine wearing handcuffs. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's I guess probably not good. I, I guess, like, they're, like, the I don't know. They're in conflict. Maybe they're short on room for some reason. I don't know. Uh, even though, like, the, the war hasn't yet reached the SGA, well, I think no, they I'm say in this about, one. It's a... MRI is magnetic imaging. Yes, I know that. Uh, so, like, uh, what, what I mean is, I don't think they're they're uh, intending to give him an actual MRI. It's just weird. Yeah, and it's like like by principle, no metal is supposed to even enter this room past the the shield where the the the, the, mean, the person sits at the no, console. I think you know, they definitely did give him an actual MRI because the next scene he's in a regular brig. Yeah, oh. because they're because they're looking for they're looking for a gold. 
Oh, you're right. They are doing that. So there you go. Uh, I guess like, ouch, he just broke his wrists from the handcuffs coming, going to fly up into the giant electromagnet that's in this machine. Uh, or like shorting. I don't know what would actually happen. Maybe it's like a microwave oven and sparks and electricity starts flying out of everything. It's bad. No. You don't want that. No, no, no. It would, it would just, it would just yank his hands into yeah. the cowling. Yeah, that's why. That's, that, that's not good. You don't want that. Uh, hurts. Anyway, uh, as he's about to pass out from the sedative he was given by the doctor he can just see on the other side of the glass Catherine Langford uh, talking with someone we don't see and then he passes out before he can ask himself why is Catherine there um, but uh, then the next the next scene he's in a holding cell and he wakes up and uh, Catherine is right there uh, <laughs> so uh, like he gets to ask her all the question uh, all, all the questions he has uh, and she's like, yeah, how come, what are you doing here? How did you have an SU-1 iris code? Uh, who are you? And he says, okay, I was with SU-1 on this planet, and then I came back and everything was different. Uh, and like, she does, like, it's, it's a, a little bit of back and forth. I don't understand what you're saying for, for a bit. And he ends up like summarizing his, uh, backstory on the show to her, basically, that he translated the cartouche and he went to Abydos and he came back and he helped them and he's part of SU-1. And I really like the, the like, the, 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 the hand motions he's doing while he's yeah. saying that. Because he's doing a little dance with his hands while he's saying that, like he's like miming with puppets, like he's doing a puppet show of everything he's t- saying. It's it's pretty ba- funny. Basically, he's like, "Didn't you watch the movie? <laughs> it was a whole movie. It wasn't me. It was me, but it wasn't me." There, there were like were <laughs> twenty hours or something into this story. Now you should have followed along. I'm like one of the central characters of this whole thing. Don't you remember? Um, uh, although. If, Dan- if Daniel wasn't there to be appended about the translation, why uh-huh. isn't it called the door to heaven in this universe? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a different, like, the main difference seems to be that Daniel wasn't there with, 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 through which all the other differences seem to, like, flow from. But also, you know, Carter is not a soldier, and O'Neill's a general, and Hammond's a colonel, so it's that there could be other differences. Like, for example, uh, Richard Kind, uh, that was like got the translation right on the first try without Daniel there, uh, but like the Catherine even says like she she went over to try to recruit him and he said no and didn't come and that was the end of it and that was the last time she ever saw him. Um, like <laughs> apparently he was very rude, so presumably he was just he just gotten laughed out of this conference we saw in the movie, and then she was like, Doctor Daniel Jackson. Are these your parents? And like, g- g- given that photo and him saying "fuck off" and just leaving the car, I guess and that's that's how that conversation ended. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. It just happened to not be raining that day, so he just wasn't. He didn't want to get in the car. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's nice outside. I'm just gonna walk out right now. Then like, stop following me and showing me pictures of my parents. You freak. Um, <laughs> um, and like yeah, so he's uh, Daniel is getting upset now because uh, clearly like everything is not the way he remembers it, and he gives her like some more background info on herself. He he mentions Ernest from the from Torment of Tantalus again uh, from the camp. Sorry, yeah, uh, about how they were supposed to to get married and stuff, and like she of course uh, is at a loss because uh, he shouldn't be able to know this. Yeah. Also, in that exchange, he said that he's been doing this for the last two years. Uh-huh. It's been about... A this season has been two years? Yeah, I mean, it's... 
I, since it's been two years since he was recruited by her at the start of the movie, right? That that that's what I assume I mean, he means. But like, wasn't wasn't there a long gap between the movie and the show? I thought it was that was like yeah, five years. No, it's supposed to be one year. Yeah, yeah. Like in terms of real time, it was three years between the movie and the show starting. But in the show, they state that Jackson has been on Abydos for a year. So. Okay. Yeah, so now we're in, like, early 98. So, like, if he was recruited and worked on the Stargate for a couple months before going to Abydos, that kind of lines up with that being two years ago. Um, that That's what I assume is going on with that timeline. But there wasn't, a, there wasn't much of a lore Bible yet, you know? They were no, loose. yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> like, it's been mentioned, but the, the official lore Bible was written by uh, Peter DeLuise, and he only came in on the show in uh, season two. Uh, to direct uh, another Teal'c episode, and he specifically he came up with almost everything that became lore about the Jaffa from that point on. Um, but yeah, at that point, it's still just the writers keeping it all in their heads, more or less. <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, so the, the the next scene it's a, feels a little weird you, because sorry. When you think sorry, when you think about that plus all the stuff with Sam, it's amazing that this show got through its first season. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the, 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 the blessing is that uh, Showtime signed up the show for two years from the beginning. So they already knew there was a season two and they had everything like kind of uh, planned out. Like, they had an outline for their main plots for the first two seasons, which is how you have a, like a cliffhanger at the end of season one, because uh, they, they already knew they were coming back. So uh, it's it's good that they got like 44 episodes to to get settled and like, get going because yeah that beginning was kind of a runway uh if if they were like uh, on the threat of cancellation they might not have uh gone on long enough to even finish season one i don't know uh, I, I i i bet it was actually doing fine like anecdotally i've seen videos where uh for the fir- for the last couple of years of stargate uh it was basically the only show people subscribe to showtime for and then showtime like got rid of it anyway because whatever uh because tv execs you know whatever what else is new um <laughs> so i i bet this still did still did pretty well for them even like in season one when uh <laughs> when the quality wasn't quite up to par yet even, like we're just now kind of reaching uh that that bar like this episode specifically feels has the feel of like a stargate episode from later season like for from seasons three on like three, four, five, they the most most of the good episodes, the ones that you remember, are kind of paced and feel like this. The, the, there's something yeah. that is like gels in this episode, kind of. I feel like, um, so like yeah, we're like like we're getting there, and uh, I I really like this episode and the, the next few that come after. Uh, well, I mean next next week we'll we'll talk about it. There's uh, <laughs> it's more contentious about the next one, but you know. Um, so yeah, uh, the next scene is uh, O'Neill is talking, like Hammond is reporting to O'Neill, which uh, is a little like kind of weird because like he's like Hammond doesn't have much to do in this episode at all. He's just there and he he's like he's he's subservient to O'Neill and he O'Neill gives the orders and he just seems like okay yes sir whatever and he goes <laughs> and it, it's kind of weird because he can tell that Donna Davis is not like 
quite the guy you get for the kind of role that says yes sir and goes away and shoots a gun but he does that in this episode whatever we're having fun um <laughs> uh they, they they talk about how like he says like voyager is still en route which like implies that they launched like a probe into space to like scan this the solar system or whatever which is uh pretty impressive when you consider that you know uh they launched from florida which is on the east coast which is exactly when the gold are nuking everything right now um <laughs> but i guess they managed to get one out just before the attack started or, or something um so Catherine walks in and she wants to talk to o'neill because uh, she's like hey uh this guy that came through the stargate uh he shit's a little weird with him uh no one here <laughs> knows him but he knows everything about us and it, it's it's like spooky to be honest uh, <laughs> um that was about Ernest and everything um so yeah uh daniel's in the briefing room and like o'neill walks out of there with Catherine and to talk to him and o'neill's like yeah we're kind of in, in the middle of something right now so please get to the point of whatever you want to say to us um and Daniel's like, whoa, okay. Um, uh, then, yeah. <laughs> let, me, he, let, me lay, let me lay it all out here. Yeah. <laughs> he, he basically does the same, the same scene again where he, uh, he tries to get across to Jack that he's on his team and that he knows him. And he's from, uh, like, he doesn't quite uh, understand yet that it's an alternate reality, but he's getting there. Uh, I, I, yeah, so I also just want to point out a little bit that O'Neill has like a scar on his eyebrow uh, in this reality, in this episode, that like the O'Neill from uh, our reality quote-unquote doesn't have. And uh, the, the funny thing is that uh, the real O'Neill is eventually going to get that scar, like in season three sometime. He's going to get hit <laughs> in the face and then from that point on, he's, he's just going to have that scar. It's, it's just like kind of a fun little... Not, not quite foreshadowing because I think that's just Richard Dean Anderson like liked how he looked with that scar and he, he wanted to bring that over to the main character I guess um, I do like how Richard Dean Anderson plays it because yeah this is this episode he's very much playing Jack closer to movie Jack yes that's yeah. that's the nice that's the cool thing about this is like he's way grittier and has no sense of humor in this one and it's like it's the, the it's the man he would be if he'd never met Daniel and like if he'd blown up that nuke on Abydos and killed everyone there and like never met Skara and like had that like bonding moment that made him kind of like loosen up and stop being so grim about the fact that his son died um which, yeah, which is like at this point, speaking of that, Daniel, that's one of the things that Daniel says to convince him uh, <clears throat> that he's that he knows him is that his son died from shooting himself with his gun. Um, uh, yeah, is he also like Daniel mentions Tilk because he says, like, I'm an issue one with you and Carter and Tilk. And like, uh, only is like, who's Tilk? And he says, like, he, he's, he's our fa friend. <laughs> and O'Neill, like, is, like, skeptical of that. Uh, and uh, he, he says, like, he doesn't know him. And Daniel says, you never went to Chulak? And they, went, they say, Chulak, what's that? So Daniel's like, well, that's the, you know, the Jaffa homeworld. Uh, not quite, but it's, you know, it's the, it's the planet where Apophis' Jaffa live. Uh, and, like, uh, as soon as he Close says enough. that... <laughs> 
<laughs> Catherine just picks up a pad and like opens a pen for him and points at it on the on the table. It's like write the coordinates to this planet right now, please. Uh, and he does that, but while also like he's not really thinking about why they want to know this because I I guess they haven't told him yet that they're they're under attack. It's just being like buzzing in the background. Um, it's just like um, dude. What 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 was their plan for Avidos without without you? <laughs> right, that's the thing. Like Abydos is there's no Abydos in this universe. Like they blew it up. Skara and Shari are just dead, and Kasuf, and like they they killed Ra too. But it's just it didn't go. I, mean, I don't think they'd have killed Ra because Ra would have been in the ship. Oh right, yeah. Well, I mean, if Apophis is attacking Earth now, presumably it's because I don't. Like, okay, <laughs> hang on. If. <laughs> If they didn't go to Chulak, why is Apophis attacking Earth, though? I guess it's just because they came to Earth to kidnap that lady from the pilot, and then Apophis saw that Earth had guns and stuff, and that worried him enough. That they he killed then... one Jaffa, and, yeah. he, and he's yeah. debating a heck of a lot faster. It's like, okay, we're just like gonna... That, that'll, uh, that'll teach you to kill one of our guys. We're, we're gonna kill all of your guys now, because I'm Apophis, and I'm a big old mini jerk face. Um, this Apophis actually cares a lot more about than the main universe <laughs> maybe that's why Teal'c like part of why Teal'c doesn't get swayed in this one um, uh, and um, so yeah uh, after that little conversation uh, Carter comes in and she has long hair uh, <laughs> so as soon as she walks off like Daniel whips her on and yells Sam and she, 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 she kind of like jumps and like stares at him and says who is this guy it's a little funny because he he's like acting kind of lunatic lunatic uh understandably uh but 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 she's like who is who is he uh but then like she just turns to O'Neill and says we've lost washington and philadelphia and like daniel i think says what do you mean lost <laughs> uh yeah of course like yeah they just the gps ran out and they they got lost in the woods and can't find the place anymore what the fuck do you think they mean um so yeah, they they take him to the control room then to a big old world map and like they say we've put a red dot on all the cities the gold have destroyed and like we get close ups of the map and, like all of Britain is gone. <laughs> all uh, of Britain is gone, but Scotland <laughs> Scotland is completely untouched. Yeah, sorry, yeah. all of England and Wales is gone. A uh, little bit of Ireland is gone. I think it's it's not even like it's a bit of Southern Ireland. Uh, the the entire northern coast of France and like parts of Scandinavia, most of Spain, all of Portugal, spots in Italy are gone. It's real bad. Uh, northern Africa and like we don't see see a close up of it, but the entire east coast of the U.S is also covered in red spots on that map. Um, Apophis, you know, for for a guy based on an Egyptian god, sure seems to be taking it to the white people on Earth, considering where all the red dots are on this map. Like, it seems like the ships uh, came off of orbit over the Atlantic because all the red is, like, uh, North Atlantic coasts uh, that seem destroyed. Uh, like from the wide shot, it seems like I'm probably dead on this map because it's it seems like the St. Lawrence Valley is pretty much gone. Um, then, like yeah, uh, I'm, I'm probably I'm mar- marginally pro- maybe dead, probably uh-huh. a little less dead than probably a little less dead than you. But if there is if this is, <laughs> if 
these attacks are nuclear. Oh, I'm, I'm dying painfully. He's, here's the thing. The writers of this show live in Vancouver. They are Canadians who live in Vancouver. So you know they put a you red dot on Toronto. They're blowing up southern Ontario. Oh, yeah. They put a red dot on Toronto. They put a red dot on Montreal. First things they did for sure. Um, <laughs> um, then they turn to a computer monitor that's showing TV, as they always do on this show. Because um, uh, they, they don't... They, that's that, it's just something I've noticed. They they just have computer monitors on the SGC. They never have just a TV showing TV, which is, you know, it's not that surprising. It's not that weird to, to see the news on a computer screen. It's just, it's the 90s, so you might expect a TV. It's just the all-purpose screens that they have. Um, also, alternate universe, and so whatever. Um, so it's the news, and a news anchor that is played by clearly a character actor I've seen somewhere that I can't put my finger on because his face reminds me of something. Uh, is saying that, yeah, the aliens have come down. Here's some stock footage of burning fields and stuff. Uh, they've been blowing everything up. They've, they're not answering any attempt at communication. Uh, <laughs> shit's bad. Uh, they, they're just destroying absolutely everything they come across. Um, <clears throat> help. Uh, everything is real bad on this planet, on this Earth. Um, so yeah, now we get a, a little bit of, of downtime where uh, Daniel gets to come to grips with what's going on. Um, he says, wow, this is like a nightmare. Uh, and like Catherine is examining all the stuff Daniel had on him, specifically the stuff in his backpack. And she asks, like, so that's all stuff you found on that planet? And he says, yeah, except the gun and the grenade, obviously. Uh like and they're trying to figure out uh what this thing did and Catherine ex examines the, the the like the mirror remote that he put in his bag uh and she looks at it a little bit uh and Daniel says yeah I picked that up and then the, the mirror tur turned on and then I touched it and there was a surge so uh presumably that's what did this uh so he says he thought at first they left without him but then he came here and everything was wrong now uh, we don't get the scene yet where someone explains what this thing is to him. Um, th so they come down and the Stargate is being dialed. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, and like, uh, yeah, Daniel asks to basically go back to, this, to that planet, I think, at this point. And Catherine says, like, yeah, we're not... Well, we're we're gonna like we're we're kind of busy here before we can do that. Like, so she explains that is this the where. No, wait, it's not even the beta site they're dialing. They, they, explain, they're, they explain the concept of the beta site first, which is... Okay, they have a Genesis list, uh, which is, you know, ominous sounding and everything, but they made a list of all the humans that are absolutely necessary to start anew on a different planet, and they're sending them over to the beta site. Uh, presumably, Krusty is among them, because the pure <laughs> people in the future need to laugh. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's not what they're doing now. Um you can see that Walter is dialing, and he has the sheet of paper that Daniel used to write the Chulak coordinates on. You get a good shot of it, and yep. Daniel's gate symbol handwriting is terrible. Yeah, but, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, he's, <laughs> he had to, like, I guess, like, he writes Chulak's coordinates from memory also. Uh, you sure learned that, but... Um, yeah, uh, so they're dying Chulak, and we see in the gate room that uh, there's that nuke that we've seen. Wait, do we even see it? And um, now I'm we, we, okay. We it's see it's it on there. The runway, yeah, it's there. Yes, it's on. It's on a little probe thing. It's right there. Uh, and O'Neill uh, is like, 
yeah, right now, uh, we're gonna first, before we, res- like, we're gonna just, like, do this nuke plan that we've done before, uh, send a nuke over to Chulak, thanks for the coordinates, so that we can maybe blow up the Jafas to stop the attack on Earth. Uh, <clears throat> Daniel tries to tell him, hey, no, wait, you can't do that. Like, there's, those Jaffa are, you know, it's way more complex. They're not just the enemy soldiers. There's, there are people over there, and they can be convinced, and Teal'c on our planet is trying to free them and everything. And Oni is like, oh, play me the world's tiniest violin, fuck off. <laughs> and he, he just it sends the nuke through, which turns out to be a bad idea that he's doing that. Uh, shocker of shocks. Um, yeah, so he does. He just like does that, and uh, Daniel tries to make him feel bad about it, and says, "You know, on all those gold planets, there's innocent uh, humans that you're just killing." And like, <clears throat> I think I, I think this is it, like maybe earlier in the scene that O'Neill says, "Like, uh, there's like." two or three billion people are dead on earth already so uh whatever like he's just times are desperate don't care about humans on other planets just got to stop this um so like o'neill just like doesn't like care about it he just leaves and says resume evacuating people to the beta site and like uh don't like don't let this guy talk to me anymore unless he has something useful (laughs) for our war um <clears throat> so like Daniel is like start trying then tries to figure out some more what happened to him and he says could the Stargate somehow have like fucked up and sent me over to a different reality and then like Carter just gets up and says no that's impossible there's no way that would ever be possible which you know uh keep an open mind maybe Carter about stuff like that <laughs> um but uh yeah he's she says no uh wouldn't do that um but then she mentions, she says, it wouldn't send you to an alternate reality. And he's like, what is that, an alternate reality? And then she explains what we all know about alternate realities, because, you know, every movie is about that now. But also... Listen, <laughs> Sliders was only just starting. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> Sliders had been on the air for like two or three years by this point. There'd been a, a few different Star Trek episodes about alternate realities yeah, and everything. Yeah, there'd been Star Trek episodes and... There'd been a there'd been crisis on infinite earths and whatnot, right. but but it was you know, you know, it's not it's uh, not a thing that's going to be directly mainstream. It was it was something only the nerds would have known about. So obviously Daniel Jackson has never heard of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she explains well, yeah, what it is. Like people from an alternate universe didn't build the pyramids. Obviously, that was aliens. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, exactly. Um, uh, hang on. I, I feel like I had something else to say. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, like, uh, Carter brings in the, the quantum physics thing where, you know, uh, all, possibi- all possibilities are waveforms. And, like, when you observe something, it collapses. And what- she doesn't, like, explain it in that much detail. But basically, quantum physics means different possibilities, which, like... Just like makes me think back to Enigma and that uh, disclaimer about you know Nareem only said Schrodinger's cat is fake. Does it? That doesn't mean all of quantum physics is fake. So uh, thanks, thanks Stargate Wiki for clearing clearing that one up. We're like three episodes removed from from the one where he said quantum physics can be real, and and now we're in an, in an alternate reality where we're using that as like an explanation for it. Um, well, this this Carter hasn't been told that that's fake yet, so. Yeah, right. She's she's never met the Tolans because they never found the map room on Abydos. Like, I just like where have they even gone with the Stargate in this universe? It, it, they've just been sitting on it for like a whole year because they don't <laughs> have any coordinates they can dial to. I guess. Um, uh, so yeah, they 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 say 
Stargate, uh, so, sorry, Daniel mentions P3R 233, that, like he says, that must have been that mirror I found on that planet. And Sam says, wait, you've been there? Because, like, she is familiar with that planet. So I guess uh, put one on the list of, like, other planets that they know of. I guess they found that somehow. Um, they, they found that and don't know that the planet is radioactive? Yeah. Because I, they don't I, have a deal to tell them? Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. They, like, we're going to see that they got, like, a radio transmission from that planet. So, presumably, they opened the Stargate and then just got that signal through it. And don't know if they went there or not. They just got that recording, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, while, that's, while that conversation is happening, uh, we see the Stargate. Uh, they're trying to dial to the beta site, uh, and the Stargate is... Uh, it just like opens up in their in their face while they're doing that, which is you know, uh, it's, it's this episode establishes that Earth's computers like are slow to dial the Stargate. So whenever like there's a competition for the line, they always like the the the, the DHD on the other planets always makes it faster than them, and like that's that's quite a tactical disadvantage they have there. Um, so yeah, uh, it opens up because that's I guess that's the ghouls trying to attack them. So they close the iris and close the blast doors just in case to make sure that no nothing bad comes through the Stargate. And then they say there's a transmission from Air Force One. Uh, and then like Catherine and Sam have to go up to talk to O'Neill, leaving Daniel all alone uh, in the command room. So uh, he sits down at a computer and like goes over and I guess Alta Vistas himself because it's 1998. Um, and then like he sorry he goes into the Air Force archives and not the internet to find this. Uh, he searches his name, uh, and then he finds a file on himself that says, uh, you know, uh, last known place of residence, Egypt, and, like, every every other detail in his file says unknown, and then, like, he reads that and goes to check over on the map, and then, like, goes to look at Egypt on the map and sees a big old red dot on it. So I guess... Uh, what I said before about Apophis only attacking the white people pl uh, places, uh, not quite, I guess, because he also like attacked Northern Africa. Uh, I mean, they would the, gov the government have very specific grudge against Egypt. That's right. Like that's what they know. <laughs> the cradle of civilization is where they had most of their prior uh, interactions with interactions with Earth humans. Uh, but yeah, Daniel walks up to the the map and like. I guess we don't even get a close-up on the red dot on Egypt, but we just assume it's there because he looks at it and says, Uh-oh. What? I think I'm dead. What? Which, uh, ding, by the way, that's that counts as a Daniel death. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, the Daniel in this universe is I dead off-screen. A Daniel died is close enough. Yeah, a, a Daniel died. <laughs> the deaths, deaths of a Daniel Jackson counter... Uh, incremented um so yeah uh now everyone is back downstairs to talk about that whole air force one situation we heard of and we get like uh a, like a radar screen straight off of air, of uh, independence day uh because we have like a little dot with that labeled air force one and a big dot that's unlabeled just closes in on it and then like the the, the screen gets filled with red numbers that 
don't seem to mean anything, and it goes beep, 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 and it sounds scary, and then it says tracking lost, so so long, salute to you, uh, alternate Bill Clinton, I hope you had a goatee, uh, <laughs> that also means that alternate Al Gore is now the president on this alternate Earth that is being destroyed by the ghouls, he's presumably not going to be president for very long, but you got there, Al, buddy, <laughs> On some reality out there, you technically got to be president for a second, uh, unless he was also on Air Force One. I guess we don't know. No, the the president, the vice president, has his own plane, I believe, from what I remember from reading about that stuff. Uh, they're not supposed to travel on the same plane right, for that, exactly this reason. That's the whole point. Like presumably, like Al Gore is probably in a bunker somewhere where he can survive a nuclear uh, attack. Because, uh, you know, all that stuff was built in the Cold War. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, then I guess the... So, yeah, uh, Air Force One was specifically heading for Colorado because uh, the president was on that Genesis list we heard of. So he was coming over to evacuate through the Stargate. And now the Gould ship uh, has, like, analyzed Air Force One's trajectory and his is coming straight over to uh, Cheyenne Mountain. Uh, and it doesn't take me long <laughs> for that ship to get there because it's right there already, basically. Um, so they say, don't worry, we're super deep underground. Even if they nuke us, we're probably going to be fine. We just, you know... Say, they're, they're saying, though, Apophis can't just come down to the surface and just smell, sense where the gate was, like... Uh-huh. Yeah, li- like the way Hathor did. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Uh, <laughs> I don't even... Like, we don't see Apophis in this episode. We don't know if he's even on one of those ships or if he stayed in orbit around the Earth. Um, yeah, it's kind of a goofy... But, I mean, Teal'c is on that ship. Like, we know that much. And Teal'c is uh, the first prime of Apophis, so he should technically, in theory, always be on whatever ship or party that Apophis is on, because he's, like, he is his personal bodyguard and everything um and honestly and it's weird that we don't see apophis in this i mean i guess it's an alternate universe apophis so maybe he's different but like apophis as we've seen him in the show so far Mm -hmm. he's pretty consistently just out there doing stuff actually (laughs) this is this is like smarter alternate apophis and he wins because he doesn't do stuff like that i guess um so yeah, this, this Apophis did not go hunting bugs on Nox's planet. <laughs> no, I mean presumably he did because that wouldn't be changed by Daniel being there or not. I don't know, um, but they didn't catch any bugs or anything. Probably didn't learn that the Nox existed either. Um, so yeah, they they look at a computer monitor that is showing them like an outside view of of the mountain. Uh, and you, you like uh, as they're saying, yeah, it's fine if they nuke us. We're t- too deep underground to feel it. Uh, like Daniel points out, no, they're not attacking. They're landing because like the, the the ship is is literally landing on top of the mountain the same way it did on top of a pyramid in the movie. Uh, so I guess yeah, the, <laughs> that's it's a really like uh, I guess that's an all terrain ship that can land on any like protrusion in it- the earth. Any, yeah, any pointy thing. Yeah, any right. Pointy thing. Exactly. It could land of like on the Washington Monument. It would be fine, basically. Um, <laughs> um, that would be a little. I mean, it's probably too I short mean, for those ships, but you know, whatever. It's also just like real skinny, right? Like it. It is a pyramid, but it, it's only like I, I don't know if the ten feet across. Is, I, the, yeah. Does the 
Does the landing pyramid have to like support the weight of the ship? Is it like a support for it? Is I, I don't know. Anyway, um, no, I don't think the Washington <laughs> Monument could support the weight of that ship on its own. I don't think that's possible. Or could the va- could the Bass Pro Shop pyramid? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. yes. Isn't that bigger than Egypt's pyramids? Or am I wrong yes. about that? Yeah. Okay. There you go. It could. I believe it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, so now uh, they go into tactical defense mode uh, where they look at plants and stuff and say, okay, uh, booby trap those corridors, like uh, make them have to go through there, fortify the bottlenecks and everything. Uh, so, uh, yeah, then they say, they, so they, they're saying, well, if we can't go out from the top of the mountain, so we're all going to have to evacuate through the Stargate. But of course, the Stargate is currently being held up by the bad guys dialing in which is like the whole point of what they're doing so they're they're kind of trapped there but then uh, carter points now, out now D- daniel is being very unhelp very unhelpful right now yeah he knows he he knows something that could very be very helpful at this current moment uh, what is it that he's not bringing up that <laughs> there's another stargate oh yeah <laughs> that's a good point not like they can get to antarctica right now but yeah he doesn't say that or anything uh, i doesn't think it's worth mentioning to these people that hey you have a second stargate by the way not- I mean, there was definitely like an hour or so in between when he found out about the invasion and oh when yeah Jafafis got here m- 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 might have mo- mobilized some kind of thing there but to like speed up the evacuation even though i guess you can't well, if their Stargate is being occupied, they can use the other one to dial out, right? That would that would make sense. Um, well, you know, yeah. at the very least, it's... Okay, when next time they dial our Stargate, send a big power surge through this, and they'll all go to Antarctica oh, instead. yeah, that's, right? a, that's a good point, yeah. Uh, that, they could come up with a plan, but that's not what they do in, uh, at this point. No. <clears throat> uh, Carter says, so we've, we've always... You know, we can't keep a Stargate open longer than... She says about half an hour, and later, later she's going to say that's 38 right. minutes is 38 the... 38 lo- minutes. The longest they've kept that's one open, right. and that's gonna go into that Stargate Bible we mentioned because that's that's the hard line limit. A Stargate can be open for thirty eight minutes before it shuts down on itself. That's uh, that's which is exactly <laughs> which is the perfect amount of time for a forty four minute show. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, as, as uh, Martin Wood is gonna point out to us, it's it has to be arbitrary, but not too arbitrary. It has to be a useful amount of time, but it can't be a round number, or people are gonna call bullshit on it. So thirty eight minutes it is. Um, not Martin Wood, sorry, Martin, the other Martin, the one on the show, Martin Lloyd. Uh, uh, yeah, so they say so. Uh, whenever that target shuts off because it's going to have to shut off, that's when we dial out. And, like, I guess uh, she doesn't mention it at this point, but, like, Carter, like, spends the rest of that half hour going into the code of that their computers used to dial and try trying to optimize it, because that's, that's, like, the only way they can dial out faster is to find wherever a lazy programmer just, like, put ineffectual if-then statements and try to find a, a, a more computationally efficient way of phrasing it. Uh, get get John Carmack in the SGA to 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 make him run Doom on your computers. So that that's gonna well, like run like butter. And, and that's so weird to me because like, okay, so if you use the DHD, you can punch those numbers in, and you know you can punch the co- the 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 co- mm-hmm. the the symbols in immediately. Yeah. Boom 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 boom. Yeah. Bam. Like. But I, I, I so, guess, like, because the, the DHG transmits the data to the Stargate faster, and, like, they have, like, better bandwidth, I guess. But the, the Earth, Maybe, yeah. 
the Earth, Earth computer com- actually has to mechanically turn the thing. It's hand dialing <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing to make it go faster. I mean, it's it's just optimizing the code, I guess. That's that's all I can think of. Um, so yeah, the so for the next bit of the episode, it's like tactical stuff where we see O'Neill doing what he said he would with uh, putting C4 on some doors and stuff to seal the elevators and um yeah so they they're they're basically bottlenecking the sga to try to stop the 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 the, the gold incursion uh then like daniel is listening to a tape in the briefing room uh like catherine and salmon are making him him making him listen to it uh there's like it feels like there's a missing scene somewhere where sam explains that this well i mean she explains it after the fact she we just haven't seen her figuring it out until then that P3R233 is the planet where they got that signal and they make Daniel listen to it because they can't figure it out uh, because they'd never had someone who could translate ancient Egyptian on their team because Daniel said no to them, uh, which like once again, uh, yeah, okay, so Daniel does say that it's because they never went to a planet where people speak it out loud and could translate it, so... Uh, that's why, but yeah. Per- so apparently, this this uh, transmission is in the Gould language, uh, so, which Daniel listens to. Uh, so yeah, he says, "Okay, all right." Uh, it says, "Beware the destroyers," as he's listening to it, uh, and then it says, "They come from," and then it goes it just like beeps. Uh, he says, "Yeah, it's beeps. I don't get it." And like Sam says, "Okay, we've we've had that, we've we've, we've had that analyzed, and we know that like it's uh, like a series of numbers of beeps. So like you know, three, thirty-two, sixteen, eight, ten, and twelve. And he says, "Okay, that's six numbers. Uh, six numbers means the six like coordinates on a stargate with like the point of origin. And so clearly, this this message is saying uh, whoever destroyed that planet is coming from that stargate address. And like, okay." Okay, I'm with you so far, Daniel. The part that stretches credibility is this this is specifically a planet that was destroyed by Apophis, who was sending an attack from exactly the same planet that he's using to send an attack to Earth right now. Which, you know, it's a it's a lucky coincidence that he does turn out to be right. <laughs> Even across alternate realities, apparently. Um but I there mean, you go. There, there's been a lot of lucky, little lucky coincidences. Like, yes. what are the statistical odds that the codes are the exact same between the universes and he didn't go splat yes. on the iris at the yes. start of the episode? Yes, exactly. Um, and that, you know, the, that the Stargates have the same symbols in the same order because the numbers, he's just going to count around the Stargate from the point of origin to figure out which symbol each number is, which, you know, makes sense as a way to encode Stargate addresses as numbers of beeps. But the, the whole, you know, parallel universes, uh, <laughs> really th- throws a wrench into this whole concept. Um, yeah, like, like if if the if the defining point mm-hmm. had been him not like if if that's where the delineation is mm-hmm. in the universe is is him, is him mm-hmm. not joining the Stargate program, mm-hmm. the other shit would still be the same. Yeah, that m- most right? most things are the same. Like, and if if but, this was uh, truly a but random like Carter. Yeah, Carter wouldn't be a civilian, right? Because because Carter still would have been yeah uh, uh, in the Air Force, yes. Regardless, of, yeah. and that's the so, only way that so, she knew about yeah. the Stargate in the first. Yeah, place. Yeah, exactly. So that can't be the only change between universes. It's just he randomly <laughs> he randomly mirrored to a universe where almost everything is exactly the same, except he didn't join the Stargate program. 
Tilk's hair is different, Sam is not in the army, and O'Neill is a general and Hammond is a colonel. That's like, these are the only differences, apparently. Um, it's, which is, like, you know... I want to imagine, like, so, so just enough other little changes. Like, he goes to tell Jack about <laughs> about Charlie, and Jack just punches him in the face, because, no, he's, he's safe at home. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Something yeah, like yeah. that. His name is Tyler. How dare you? Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a suspension of disbelief. It's just all the little things that are different are the only things that are different, and don't worry about the rest. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, so they go back to the, the, the control room. Uh, so when the Stargate shuts off, they like that's when uh, Sam says she's like uh, improved the algorithm, the dialing that the, the computers use, try to do it faster. Uh, we don't see it complete right, right away. Like was sorry, hang on. It start. It's got back and forth between the little action scene where O'Neill is preparing to defend the base and like them dialing the Stargate, uh, and then like uh, yeah, they 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 don't quite manage to dial out in time. They get dialed in right before uh, they they manage to. So they're blocked for another thirty eight minutes, which is the that moment that that number is first mentioned uh, explicitly. Um, and like she says, okay, I'll like optimize it some more by the ne- by next time because <laughs> you can just do that. Get one person on that code, and within thirty eight minutes, it's just it's going to be better code. Like uh, also like discounting how like she probably has to compile that code that she's changing, which on nineties computer is like an overnight job. But yeah, don't don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> um, we, we just have to assume that the STC just has. Very good computers. Oh yeah, they have the best silicon graphics I, that money I, can buy. Sorry. The the SD, the SDA because we haven't actually brought it up, but every time yes. they're in the war room office, there's a different logo in the background. Yes, the SDA is the Stargate. Uh, I don't know what agency. The, I guess agency. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, yeah, it's just a little different. It's the same way that this humans and Terrans on the on the uh, sorry on Star Trek. Um, hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, f- so while that's going on, uh, the the Jaffa have managed to like blast a hole in uh, through a blast door that's blocking one of the corridors, and Teal steps out of there with his full uh, snake helmet. The important thing is that they're they're also in this scene lowering down a giant staff weapon. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they've brought like a... a comically he- huge staff weapon. The, yeah, they've brought like a the heavy heavy turret version of the staff weapons, which is pretty cool. Like, this is the first time we've seen one of those in this episode. Uh, it's, it's, it's like... It's the exact same thing, but bigger. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just, it's the, 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 the laser sci-fi space equivalent of whenever in a video game you, you see a stationary gun and you can use it to just like shoot bad guys better and faster it's that but like it's the staff weapon instead of being a machine gun basically um but more importantly yes tilk's tilk's very luscious ponytail yeah we we don't see it yet because he has his snake helmet on and i'm just wondering we see it like pop open like how does he he get all that magnificent hair into that helmet with him i don't know because it doesn't seem like there's that much room for it um (laughs) we don't have we don't need to have that answered because but next time we're going to see him the helmet will be off anyway um so yeah, now they are back in the briefing room. O'Neill has like retreated back to there with Hammond and a couple other soldiers, and they say, "Okay, so the Stargate plan plan is not working yet." Um, and then like they say, "So we figured out from that 
from from that recording that we have the Stargate coordinates where uh, where the attack came through on the attack on that planet came through and only is like okay as soon as we can dial the Stargate send a bomb over there because uh, I guess that's all that's the only plan he knows and I don't know how he thinks that's gonna help much considering like the attack is already on Earth like he's gonna blow up an airfield over on a different planet that's not being occupied <laughs> because it's already been launched off of I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, Daniel immediately points out that that's a stupid plan. Uh, but he says, like, Daniel's plan is even flimsier. Because he's it's like, yeah, hi, everyone. Uh, guy from a different universe over here. So I know, uh, like, everything sucks for you right now. But I would really like if you would let me just go back to my universe and use your only opportunity to Stargate, to dial the Stargate to help me do that so that so that I can <laughs> bring these coordinates back to my side and save my people over there. And, like, O'Neill rightly point is... Uh, does, does he even do that? Um Okay, uh, Carter just says if we if we help him, we're never we're never gonna get out of here ourselves. And like, that seems like he should just be like laughed out of the room. Because why would these people like even like have that as a priority? That that's the part that kind not quite breaks this episode because I still think this episode is good. It like works on an like an attention level, but it's just logically these people like motivations fall apart here at the end because it's like yeah no. Why are you, why would you do this? Yeah, it's like, well, we're going to save a different universe. There's like infinite different universes. It sucks that this guy over there came from from his universe into this worst timeline. But uh yeah, we like the these people like should only be worried about saving their own timeline, not about sending this guy back to his to help his timeline. Um but yeah, that's just like so. O'Neill is clearly the one who's the least into this whole plan to begin with. But Daniel makes uh, his little video play on the computers. Uh, yeah, we didn't mention it before, but he like that that footage he shot earlier in the episode, specifically of the Stargate. He he looked at his footage to figure out the the coordinates from the from the beeps on the recording. Uh, so like, I guess that video was still playing on a loop on that monitor because now it's showing like he like he took some time to like shoot footage of his friends on that planet which is very cute of daniel because <laughs> uh, now there's like some nice long shots of o'neill and carter and tilk uh from the ones that we're used to from it's like look at all look at all my pals yeah these are my friends i, I shot i was i was gonna make a nice montage for for like our anniversary of becoming a team because i love them so much and i i really miss them i really want to go back to them but like also yeah they show that there's footage of tilk on that video and they say hey is that guy we just saw he's here attacking us right now um uh yeah so daniel uh pleads with uh alternate general o'neill to uh help him go back um and he says yeah so if these coordinates can help anyone they can help us maybe so if that's really where Apophis is attacking from, if I bring this back to my world, we can go there and stop him from ever reaching this this stage because like it's just assumed. I actually like it's gonna it's gonna be like challenged in the next episode, but Daniel assumes that every this whole attack is gonna happen exactly the way it, it's doing in this universe over in his universe. So he, that he needs urgently to go to that planet and stop it from happening. Um so yeah, that's that's basically the case he makes. He he tries to get O'Neill to go 
get to to go along with this uh only is like hang on you you want us to like uh to to throw away the last chance we have to just like <laughs> do you a solid and help you go home basically uh uh, and like Daniel just appeals to his humanity, and, say, and I guess, and he says, you know, the O'Neill I know from my universe wouldn't hesitate to do that. Which uh, I don't know if that's quite right, but anyway, uh, this is Daniel like actually having faith in his friends, I guess, and some somehow that gets through ca- to this O'Neill. Uh, I guess it's an echo of how uh, him meeting Daniel in the our universe was part of what softened him up and turned him into a nicer person because like now he's having a conversation with Daniel and it seems to be somehow getting through to him um, and yeah uh, so the O'Neill's like bef- before he can answer he, he asks Sam uh, how long they have and she says 22 minutes until the, the Stargate uh, is available and he says well okay so it does, it's not like it matters anyway because we're all going to be dead before we can even dial out uh, and then Daniel's like, okay, but hang on. <laughs> what, what if you go over there and just distract Teal for 20 minutes and then, like, that'll give us a chance to do all of this. So they just, like, O'Neill, I guess, says, yeah, okay, that's the, he's convinced by, by this now. And that's the plan now is to give up on Earth and let this guy go back home to save his Earth and let Apophis win in this reality. <laughs> essentially because that's what's going to happen we're never going to see this universe again after this episode it's just uh it's lost like humans lose i guess um i mean they kind of know so yeah they're they're, they're they're already like pretty much checkmate it's just uh, pr- the process of actually dying is all that's left to do now um uh we see yeah we see that nice uh lush braid on Tilk's head now for the first time as they're lowering that that laser turret we mentioned earlier. Uh, it's really impressive, that hair. I, I can't overstate this. It's a really long thing that's like, linked with with rings. It's lo- it looks like a Dothraki braid. Um, it, it, it specifically... Uh, James Earl Jones' character in, yeah. the Co- in the Conan movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. When, when, he, when his hair is tied. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's like, it's, it's it's just one braid coming out of, like, the top of Teal'c's bald head. Which, like, also, the thing looks, like, reasonably heavy for what it is. Like, that thing must just be glued to the top of his head. I hope it's comfortable for him. Um so uh, he's just like walking around, and we see if, like from the point of view of a, of a security camera, he just shoots the camera. Uh, and Oni is looking at that. He's like, "I don't know about this guy, Daniel. He seems like kind of a bad guy." And Daniel says, "Yeah, but like on my in my reality, we had a good talk with him, and like he was already like on the edge <laughs> of like rebelling against Apophis. So all he needed was our help to become a good guy." Um, and in this world, we nuked, we nuked his family uh-huh. a couple hours ago. Right. Uh, which is, you know, but Daniel has faith that Tilk is going to, like, understand and he's, he's going to decide to just uh, give up on the attack he's leading and join the good guys. Uh, he gives his final argument, basically. Uh, Adonio says, yeah, you know, I, I know it's a Hail Mary, whatever. It's it's up to you in the end. I'm just like, I, I really, he just he just really hopes that he's going to do the right thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess O'Neill has not like so I I spoke to soon earlier. He's not quite sold on it yet, but this final argument seems to be what does it because he, he 
like he's like okay i guess talking to a guy and trying to convince him to like have a little hope and become a good guy is the last thing he he can think to do anyway since everything is lost and the president is dead and everything now um so he's like oh, okay i just need to buy him a little time so you can dial the stargate and everything is fine right uh and Catherine says yeah show him the video of him on that tape he's gonna confuse him and like buy you some time and you can explain <laughs> it to him which is you know <laughs> that's the, the worst plan i've heard today but there you go um and Hammond, like, I think the last thing he says in this episode, he, he says, you're going to convince this guy that there's alternate realities, which is, you know, good point. Um, uh, yeah, then we have a little, just like a pretty much tearful goodbyes where, where O'Neill says he, he's decided to do that. And like, he realizes it's probably a sacrifice that he's going to die. And just as he's about to leave, like, uh, Sam goes up to him and they hug real tight. Uh, that's, that there, that goes, that's for you, all the shippers out there. The, these are, the, these two characters are engaged in this universe, uh, which is like presumably helped by Sam not being in the military. Um, so I yeah, just, <clears throat> sorry. Uh no. SG One is probably like the weakest of at pretty much any show I've ever watched mm. in terms of a, like available ships. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> like Atla- Atlantis later. That's a much more shippable show. Yeah, you're right. Yes, especially early SG One. I haven't seen. I haven't seen much of Universe, but it seems also much more simple. Uh, uh, universe is a show that uh, puts hi- its relationships front and center. It's it's it has a lot more uh, sexy drama, uh, let's say, than than this. But does. it's like like this one because it's it is just such a such a small close cast, and yeah. everything is centered directly around military chain of command. Right. It just. But you, it's a lot harder to sell. Yeah, uh, but it's like it's it's the same way it was for like classic Star Trek, where it it was all the fans putting whatever they felt like seeing onto the show, and like but but like the difference is that Stargate started like in the internet forum era, so the writers absolutely read the fan reactions and knew that what the people wanted, and they started like because this is already like you can already see that this was intentionally put in there to like this this was put in there after the. And after the Antarctic episode. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know if, like, this was probably shot before that episode aired, but, you know, it, it's clearly, like, it's clearly a, a bone for the for the shippers in the audience, this little moment right there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, like, uh, Daniel is like, and then Catherine explains that they're engaged, and that's, that's it, though. That's the last time we're going to see them together. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Hammond does have a little speech after... Uh, he's, he's, I guess he's giving a speech to all the other soldiers in the room, not that O'Neill is over there to talk to Teal'c. So we get a little bit more of the usual happened where he gives an inspirational speech. Uh, he's just saying, uh, basically, basically explaining to the soldiers that, yeah, we're going to hold, uh, the SGA and we're probably all going to die and we're not going to leave to the Stargate. Um, even, th- y- you might think that, if they could escape with Daniel to that planet, they could just redial to the beta side from that planet. No one thinks of that. No one seems to ever think of just like doing having a stop on a different planet and redialing from there. It's too complicated, I guess. It's not like they they'd have like, or Daniel could go to the beta site and dial the planet from there. It's it anyway. Um, no. <laughs> they always make up this this false dichotomy on Stargate where they can easily have their cake and eat it, basically. Um, 
<clears throat> so yeah, uh, next scene is O'Neill goes over to the Jaffa and says he surrenders. And he says, I'm unarmed. And then the next thing he does is take off his hat, which I find really funny. I, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> like, See, I don't have a gun on my head. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jack. Uh, <clears throat> I like Teal goes over to look at, to just stare at him. Um, and he doesn't know who he is. And he's, and like uh, uh, O'Neill says, "Hey, Teal," and he looks. He's like, "What?" And he says, "Aha! You don't know how come I know this, right?" And he starts to tell him the story. Um, uh, oh yeah, okay. So the next the next scene is like Hammond goes up to the to the the control room and he goes over to talk to Walter and tell him, "Hey, we need all the help we can get out there." And then Walter gets up and follows him, which is like setting up for a nice little bit later on. And Catherine just takes Walter's usual seat, uh, and then like the Stargate shuts off. Uh, no, sorry, it's not quite that. Uh, they say, "Okay, we we need to set up the self destruct to a minute after uh, we've dialed the Stargate," which. You know, okay, I, I get the intention that they've lost, so they might as well do the self-destruct. But also, I don't know what good that's going to do. Like, it's just a spite. They're just going to kill all the Jaffa here out of spite. But, you know, Apophis has already won they're, anyway. They're, they're hoping Apophis is on the ship, and, like, when yeah when you blow up the gate, it's going to yeah. be a bigger thing because of the aqueduct. Maybe. Or, uh, actually, I just thought it, it would make more sense is it, uh, they want to get rid of whatever uh, the, the, the intel that tells them where the beta site is because some people have, have already evacuated there. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, uh, yeah, they said the self-destruct. And then, like, we go back to O'Neill showing Tilk footage of Tilk. Uh, to go, hey, <laughs> so that's you from an alternate reality. We have this guy here, and he says uh, he's going to go back there and like get you to help him fight the ghoul. Isn't that great? Doesn't that sound good? Don't you want to rebel against like Apophis? <laughs> all of the other, all of Tilk's Jaffa under his command yes. are all just chilling in this room They're while just, this guy is trying to ra- radicalize yep, their commanding yep. officer. They, they, they just stand there. I guess they're <laughs> they're not paid to question. Like they're gonna follow Teal no matter what Teal decides to do, including if like into mutiny against their god. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I also thought that was weird. <laughs> that you know you think one of them would go, hey, uh, sir. You're not thinking of doing that, are you? Because, you know, we're like, there's three of us right here who would just shoot you if you did that. Um, But yeah, it doesn't really matter anyway, because like O'Neill tries to plead to him and everything. Uh, Says, you know, you you could help us change everything, which, you know, it's a harder argument to make when literally Earth is on the edge of being completely taken over. It's not like they can help him much doing his thing, even if he does uh, have ideals of rebelling against Apophis, uh, which, like, it's implied that he does, but it doesn't really matter because, like, as he says, like, uh, so uh, we just got a call from Chulag that says, like, they blew up. <laughs> so actually, I don't have a people or a family to save anymore, thanks to you. <laughs> so uh, there's nothing for me to rebel for anymore anyway. So I'm just going to shoot you with my big turret now, actually. 
So that's what he does in slow motion. Uh, we get a nice dolly zoom on O'Neill as he like <laughs> makes peace with the fact that he's about to die, and like uh, Teal just vaporizes him with that thing. And, like, considering it can blow blow a hole open in a blast door, uh, he just turned O'Neill into a fine pink mist at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that that's it for him. General O'Neill uh, is dead. Uh, so now we're back in the control room, uh, and Catherine says, okay, Sam, you should probably go upstairs and get the mirror controller that Daniel had, because he might need it. But why Why would you not just carry it on your person when you knew it was going to be like a close call? You were just up in the briefing room. <laughs> just grab it with you. Put it in your jacket pocket. What are you doing? Uh, idiot. <laughs> this is all a setup for them to not end up with the controller by the end of the episode so that they don't, can't actually use the mirror for anything, which uh, Jimmy Dean is going to be once again annoyed to know that they come out of this episode will not able to use that uh, mirror to do whatever they want with it. Um, I mean, th this episode, though, is like the ultimate embodiment of our thesis for the uh -huh. season, that yeah. it is about making making allies of that, because uh -huh. that's where this universe went wrong, is that they started by... Yeah, not yeah exactly. That. That, that's a really yeah, good point. Yeah. Like their, their whole play is to try to do that with Tilk, but now it's too late because they haven't been doing that, and they don't have... The Earth finds itself completely alone and surrounded and on the edge of defeat because of that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a nice little last moment between Daniel and Catherine, where like Daniel thanks her for everything she's doing to help him, and, and he says, "You said in our in your universe that you reunited me with Ernest," and he says, "Yep," and she says, "Well, I guess we're even now," <laughs> which is nice, you know. I, I guess like yeah, as you said, like in that episode where they didn't get that library, but they made friends with Ernest, specifically the fact that he did that is like helping him now in this episode save his own life because she feels grateful to him for having done that to this other version of herself it's it's kind of sweet i really like Catherine. uh <laughs> she doesn't show up much but i really like her in this episode specifically because she's kind of badass on top of everything um uh wait so we get a cool little scene now where the in the corridor uh, there's Jafar around and like people shooting guns trying to stop them from advancing and we see okay. like both sorry so look at Don S. Davis as he's shooting this gun yeah and I'm not sure he's ever shot a gun. Oh yeah, before. you're right. He's holding it pretty wrong. It is so awkward. It's he's he, he, holding it so awkwardly. Yeah, he's kind of like holding it doom-like in the center of his chest. That's not how you hold a gun. That's just gonna like bump you in the in the lungs while you're shooting it. He's not like it's it's not propped against the shoulder. You're right. Uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely correct. Uh, Colonel Hammond hasn't shot a gun in too long, I guess. Um, but also Walter is there, and he's shooting his gun, which is just a really fun thing to he's, see. He's, um, he's shooting it much better, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, ep episode, like, thumbnail right there, the shot of Walter shooting his gun. It's 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 really good. I like it. Uh, close call between that and Teal'c's Luscious Braid, but uh, that's, that's the way it goes, because I'm the one that gets to choose. Um... Like this whole last ep this whole last bit of the episode, I were very much reminds me of like the bit of end of Evangelion where all <laughs> the bridge people have to try and fight off the soldiers. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you're not supposed to be doing things. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> right. Uh, it's also like the, the big old fun. We're in an alternate reality where nothing matters. We get to kill off every single character. Yay! Because like Hammond gets shot and dies. Um, we see uh, Catherine in the control room. Like Daniel is in the gate room. Okay, so- sorry. First we get the scene with uh, Carter, who is in the briefing room, surrounded by Jaffa, who I don't know how they got up there without first going coming from downstairs because that seems like that staircase is the only way that comes up there um but they're surrounding her around the briefing table and she's holding the 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 mirror remote in her hand and she's she like yells at them hey i surrender uh you might want this this is a remote control for an interdimensional portal it seems oh no that's bad and she says i can tell apophis how to find it um so she's I don't know why, she, why she's even doing that because, like, she gives it to them. And I guess that's just, like, a little distraction that she needed to, like, for them to lower their guard. But there's still, like, three Jaffa pointing their staffs at her as she, like, pulls up a grenade, an unpinned grenade and holds it in her hand and blows herself up along with everyone up, up on that floor. So, so long alternate uh, doctor, Samantha Carter. Uh, we, we j- I mean, it's a good... It's a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems a little like, why Why even like tell them everything about the remote if that was your plan? Yeah, uh, yeah just a hair awkward. <laughs> yeah. You know. But, it's yeah, for it's, you. It's for it's, you, the viewer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like the only thing we see about her blowing up is if we're back down looking at Catherine in the control room and we see an explosion coming from up the stairs. Um, so, yeah, pretty awesome and sad. Uh, and like Catherine is dialing as fast as she can to try to help Daniel. Uh, still hasn't opened the the iris though. Um, but I guess we don't even see it open. It's just assumed. Like as we get a shot of the Stargate with the iris closed, and then like uh, Catherine starts dialing the Stargate, and we see Jafar coming up in the control room, and the blast doors closing, and that's all we see of it. Uh, and now the Stargate is dialing. Uh, I guess faster than before. Like they play the footage of the computer showing the symbols a little faster than usual to show that it's dialing faster than it was before. Uh, so yeah, tension builds. The Stargate dials. Uh, the blast doors to the gate room get blown open by that laser turret blast. Tilk with the hair steps through, uh, <laughs> points his staff at Daniel. Uh, Daniel like just needs to uh, win a, to gain a couple seconds. Uh, he just stares at Teal. You think he's gonna like <laughs> try to talk to him, try to convince him also, uh, but he doesn't say anything. <laughs> he he just like stares at him until the Stargate opens, runs into it, and then like Teal actually shoots him like in the back of the shoulder as he's almost at the Stargate, and Daniel just stumbles through. Um, and then, like, the, we see the blast doors open, and the the, the, the the PA voice is counting down the 10 seconds until the auto-destruct, and we just, like, sit there with Teal as he's standing in the gate room looking around, uh, hearing the countdown, and, like, it just flashes to eight as he also dies, and uh, the SGA is no more. Uh, literally everyone there is t- is definitely dead now. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Daniel, like, so we've go back to P3R233 with Daniel coming out of the Stargate. Uh, and we see, like, the Stargate takes a few seconds before it shuts down, which, you know, at, at first I was like, it should, like, shut off immediately if Earth was just, was just blowing up. But, you know, we know it takes a few seconds to travel through the Stargate, so presumably uh, the, it would also take a few seconds for the the, the end of this, the Stargate, the wormhole, to reach the other side of it. Um, 
So Daniel just runs back to that back room from the beginning of the episode, where the mirror is still there, still turned on. He doesn't have the remote, but he doesn't need it, because um, he just goes up to the mirror, touches it, it goes it goes flash again, and then he just, like, I guess, uh, falls down to the ground, because, like, the little shock from the mirror, plus the fact that he was shot, uh, is just enough to, like, uh, make him collapse. Uh, and then we're back, snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Because, um, uh, <clears throat> like, we see the rest of SG1 is there looking for Daniel, uh, have it left. And we, he yells, Help! from over in the other room, and he's on the ground uh, holding a shoulder that looks pretty bad. Um, well, you know, st- staff weapon. Yeah, staff weapon. It does that. Uh, and, like, uh, we see O'Neill uh, bend down next to him, and he he picks up the... No, sorry, uh, Sam is the one who picks up the little yellow sheet of paper that he has in his in his hand and looks at the Stargate coordinates on it, and she says, oh, that's Stargate coordinates. Uh, and Daniel just says, they're coming, they're coming. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, they are coming. Like a Gandalf and everything, you know. Reference, reference. Um... Okay. <laughs> um, if you so, that's it for uh, there. But for the grace of God, uh, that's the end of the episode, and it's a cliffhanger because uh, next week it's like as I said, it's kind of part two of four. Um, it's politics, which is you know a, a, an episode <laughs> that has. Uh, we'll get to, like if you haven't watched it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil what this episode is like, but uh, it's a it, it's not a lot like this episode, but it introduces. Uh, favorite character that we'll get to talk about next time uh, as we all approach the end of season one uh, if okay so we're, we have a couple of questions that we got on the discord uh, because I once again forgot to put up the tweet uh uh, to uh until we were almost ready to record but i also like sent a call in the discord and thankfully uh, our friend aurora borealis sent us a few questions there uh so she asks like four questions all right let's let's start first of all <laughs> what do you think the, the critical point in your life is like that one meme that's from a Yu-Gi-Oh card um yeah, the, the one with the crossroads where one side is an ice castle and the other one is a dark forest uh the critical point in my life, uh, well, I mean, kind of easy. Like in my in my case, is uh, meeting my partner and uh, <laughs> having kids, because <laughs> that kind of changed everything. I would be a very different person. Uh, I would have a lot more video games under my belt if I didn't have any kids to take care of, <laughs> without getting as personal as you feel. I'm sorry, she just flicked me in the back of the head for saying that because uh, she just heard <laughs> me say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, feel free to uh, not... You don't have to get as it as personal as this <laughs> when you answer this, but you have an answer for that question, either of you. God. I mean, several? Like, mm-hmm. so I live in Texas, mm-hmm. but I was born in Alaska and I got family in Hawaii and I've been between all of them. So... Like there's there's points where I could have stayed in Alaska, uh-huh. yeah, uh, in, instead of being here in Texas, and that would have been a completely uh, different trajectory of my entire life. I can't imagine. Em, <laughs> uh, do you feel like answering that question? Uh, <clears throat> um. Well, I mean, if I, I could assume that I'm down on the do- I'm down the dark castle path, and I could have ac- <laughs> I could have actually have got. Could have actually got my creative writing degree. That 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 would have 
that would have been nice. Oh, we're all in some dark castle, one 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 or another for sure. Like, we're, maybe we're not the timeline that gets like invaded by the gold, but like it's not the great timeline we're in anyway. Uh, not that any one of us personally could have changed the, the course of human history or anything, but you know. Uh, all right, uh, another question. Maybe more of a question for last week, but would any of the SG-1 cast fuck their robot clones? Or any other clones I'm sure they'll meet? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I feel like Michael Shanks is maybe the most uh, self... Daniel's the most likely to, yeah. but ultimately, that's ultimately, I think everyone on SG- uh, in SG-1 is aggressively straight. And uh-huh, no, that, they would not be that, 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 even, That's the thing, yeah. Not even, not even just aggressively straight, but it's a... I would say that it is uh it is not a sexually adventurous show. No, no it's not. Uh, no. Uh and the characters would like don't have that vibe at all. Mm-hmm. Uh no. curiously the one that most has that vibe mm-hmm. uh would be uh uh O'Neill. Yeah, maybe. It feels like he he's like gone gone through some wild shit in his younger years, but he's uh, uh, gone more straight laced uh, later, maybe. Um, yeah. Uh, well, what alt universe do you want to go to? Wow, that's that kind of like <laughs> that's a similar question to question one, I guess. Uh, I mean, what alt universe? Uh, any universe where. Uh, the, the powers that be did anything at all to, to, to even slow down the climate apocalypse that's coming for us would be nice. Uh, one where, the, you know, the, Elon Musk isn't running Twitter into the ground, maybe. Uh, you know, the one, the, the the one where we things. never, the one where we stayed in the trees. <laughs> yeah, trees were nice. <laughs> you know, maybe, we'd have, maybe we wouldn't have killed all the trees if we'd stayed in them. Uh, food for thought. <laughs> One without the COVID pandemic, without the pandemic, or the one that a... we actually tried to, the one where we tried to mitigate the COVID yeah. pandemic at some yeah. point. Any of a hundred places where we went to the worst timeline and where we maybe wouldn't have. Um, last question: What minor alterations would you want to have in a universe you explore? Example: Universe where three D Doritos never went away. Well, good news: three uh, D Doritos are back. I saw them in the. <laughs> 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 at the convenience store. Yeah, we. They're around. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen those at the at the grocery uh-huh. store. I, I did. It, I wasn't even aware that they ever went away. No, they, so, they for sure went away for a while. But they, yeah, they're here now. Everything well, is fine again. You, you got the snacks lodged in my head. So there's two. There's two minor changes that uh-huh. I would like to this current universe. One is where they have the dark chocolate raspberry M and M's back on the mm-hmm. shelf. And I haven't seen those for those maybe a decade. <laughs> uh, and then there is a particular brand of potato chip mm. from Australia. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember the brand, but the flavor is lime and cracked pepper. Yeah. And they are delicious. That sounds and great. And I would like them... I would like them in America. I would like them here yeah. at my grocery store, the the <laughs> Herbert E. Butt grocery store. Uh, uh, that's where I would like them. Yeah. That would be my minor change. S- speaking of food, like I have two kind of like that. Uh, the uh, Cheesy Enchilada Hamburger Helper, which was the one that was with rice instead of pasta. I, I lived off of that stuff back in college, like... 
which was, uh, you know, 15, uh, 14 to 11 years ago, I believe. Uh, yeah, that, God, it was my favorite. Like, I, I ate that every single week. It was the best flavor of hamburger helper, and it's not anywhere anymore. If anyone from Betty Crocker or whatever food conglomerate <laughs> owns them is listening to this, please bring that thing back. It had like an old El Paso, like cross branding on the box. It was great. Uh, the other one is actually back already. It's the Ben and Jerry's, uh, cream and cookies i think or cookies and cream uh flavor it's like a it's not quite a cookie dough flavor it's 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 a little bit like uh sorry it's it's cookies and milk not cookies and cream uh because it's uh yeah it's not the same quite as like you know cookies and cream ice cream but it uh i don't even remember the way like it, it it's so good it's like vanilla and chocolate and it has cookie bits in it and oh it's so good um uh for going with the Food theme. I I want the alteration of the universe where there's just a, a taco. There's still a Taco Bell near me. <laughs> and Taco Bell here closed like yes. five years ago. No. And Taco Bell is. I like Taco Bell, but it's not worth driving two hours to go yeah, get a Taco Bell. Oh my god. Yeah. There's no. There's no Taco Bells on the east. I think the only ones that exist in Quebec are on the west side of Montreal, which is where all the Anglo's live. Um, mm. I've so I've never been that, to that makes sense. Yeah, I've never been to a Taco Bell, and you know, I'm sure if they were a common fixture in my life, I wouldn't think they're everything. But anytime I hear anyone on the internet talk about Taco Bell, they sound like the most delicious stuff ever. Uh, I would just, <laughs> I mean, no, they're definitely. I've never that, been that. I know it's just people like. <laughs> Okay, the Dan Reichers of this world describe Taco Bell food like the ambrosia of the gods. And every time he talks about it, I'm like, damn, I wish there was one near me so I could get a taco there to at least disillusion myself, you know. Uh, <laughs> but like uh, that option doesn't exist because like you said, it's not worth uh, taking two hours of public transportation to go to the west side of the city, um, which is nowhere near a metro station over there of course uh to go and get like a cheap taco that's not even as good as a box you get at the grocery and you make yourself um but it's different like yeah the, the, the same way a mcdonald's burger is different from a burger you make in, in the pan you know i get, yeah, I get but, the kind of difference that is but like even here uh down down here in texas mm -hmm. uh where you can there are more there are more legitimate taco yes places than taco bell mm -hmm. you still sometimes want that taco bell right it's, yeah i get uh, it it's it's not it's it's not authentic mexican tex-mex no. in any way shape or form but mm -hmm. it is its own thing yeah you know yeah uh yeah it's, yeah like i said it's like sometimes you know there's an a and w and a mcdonald's and nw is Without question, absolutely better burgers than McDonald's. Like it's there. There's absolutely no no contest there. But sometimes, you know, you have both like on opposite corners at the street corner, and you're like, you know, I want McDonald's, and you just go there because that's 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 the that's the experience you're craving in this particular moment. And I can imagine Taco Bell versus uh, real Mexican food is a different is a similar kind of thing. Um, so. Uh, yeah, if, if you have any questions for us, you can follow our Twitter for as long as there is a Twitter at, at Jaffa Takes. Uh, who knows if, 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 if Twitter. If we remember to put up question mm -hmm. posts. Yeah, I'll try to 
I keep telling myself I should put a reminder on my phone to put up a question like in the morning of the day I recorded the podcast and then I forget to put up a reminder and it's like completely wasted effort uh, on my part. It's all it's all my fault, everyone. Uh, I'll try to be better at putting the question uh, tweets up earlier uh, as long as, you know, Twitter keeps existing. Uh, you can also join our, our Discord, uh, which is like the Audio Entropy Discord. I put up a link in the show description. Uh, there's a there's a channel on there about Jaffa takes. Uh, if Twitter should go away, uh, that Discord channel is going to be probably where I do a lot more communicating about the show and about Stargate in general than I do now. Uh, I do still like kind of lurk on there sometimes and enter conversations. It's not a super noisy channel. Uh, if you want to make it noisy, feel welcome to talk there. Starts in, starts in conversations. Uh, because we can have some fun geeking out about this little sci-fi show. I can also send emails to jeffatakespodcast at gmail.com. Um, <clears throat> and besides that, you can follow my personal Twitter, Twitter at the real Simben. Uh, M, is there anything you want to tell our audience before we log off? Yeah, well, uh, f- as long as there still is a Twitter, you can follow me there at M of Healy. And that, that, that's about it. All right, cool. Uh, Kavika had to like scoot off real quick, so uh, we're just gonna say uh, goodbye in his name here. Uh, so see you next episode, everyone. Uncree. What?